0: Slate Church, so glad you are joining us today on this Mother's Day. Uh, If you don't know who I am, my name is Emma Richardson. I'm one of the lead pastors here alongside my husband, Brandon Richardson, and we have the privilege of pastoring together with Luke and Victoria Betger. Listen, the first thing that we're gonna do today is go straight into worship. So wherever you are at, why don't you stand up, lean in, engage right now as we worship God.
1: Starts to shine. Here's to the one Who graced the dead of night Hold me from the dark Set my heart all Here's to the one Who made my heart to sing Open up my eyes to the way To the my past Here's to the future And the things to come Here's to my Savior's everlasting Love to the way Span the world around and hold me ever close. Who can search the depths of me and love me to the core? Who controls the world I see? walks me through it all It's... Yes, and day, amen. All your promises are yes, and day. It is
0: amazing time of worshiping together. Well, listen, church, we love to pray and we believe in a God who hears our prayers and can work in our situation. As a matter of fact, we have prayer mornings every single Thursday morning at 6.30 a.m. And if you wanna join us, we're doing that virtually right now at slatechurch.com prayer. If you have a need that you need prayer for, you can also submit a prayer request and a praise report. We wanna make sure we're thanking God as well. And that's gonna be coming up in the chat for you to do that. We also have prayer right in our service. Is right now, if you need prayer for something, you can go meet one of our host uh, people in by clicking on the prayer uh, button and you can go ahead and get some prayer even today. So let's pray for some things here that came in over this past week. Praying that someone's able to take their nursing exam during this season. We're praying that someone would experience breakthrough, healing, resolution with their family. Praying for someone's friend who took their life over this past week, we pray for strength and peace during this time. Praying that someone would continue to heal after a miscarriage and navigating this grieving period. We're praying for someone to heal completely from an eating disorder that they've been battling for a long time. And we are also praying that we would find uh, some sort of cure for everything that is going on right now with the coronavirus. So why don't we pray right now as a church, whatever you have going on, whatever your need is, why don't you lift that up to God as well as we pray together. Jesus, you see every single need represented here, God, in every living room and every dining room and every bedroom across this city and, and way beyond God. And today we just come to you and we pray that you would work in ways that only you can, Lord. We thank you for the things that you have done. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you care about our situation. But God, right now, we pray that you would make a way in the wilderness, Lord, that you would bring financial provision for people, that you would bring peace in difficult situations, Lord, that you would bring hope and healing, God. We lift up these prayer requests to you in your name. Amen. Listen, we're also thanking God Slate Church for all of the incredible things He has been doing. Someone's thankful for job opportunities and an increase in their finances. Someone's thankful for connect groups, especially during this season. Someone is thankful for a healthy, smooth delivery of their baby boy this past weekend. Someone's thankful for radical financial provision right now. Someone's thankful for a home that they feel safe in. Someone is thankful that God has blessed them with a co-op job during this uncertain time and someone is thankful for new life coming this spring. It's just incredible to be thanking God for so many things that are going on. It's important that we turn and we praise Him. Listen, Church, as I said, if you want to uh, submit a praise report or a prayer request, you can do so uh, at slatechurch.com. You can also get connected with us by filling out an online Connect card. You'll see that come up in the chat. You can also go to slatechurch.com to fill that out, to find out more about Connect groups and how you can get involved there, how you can be involved on Teams during this season, or just more about Slate Church. We would love to hear from you. We love to talk about financial generosity here at Slate Church. So in order to encourage us around this today, we are gonna hear from Pastor Luke.
2: Well, hey church, I'm excited to share with us around our giving today. And to begin, I just wanna read one short piece of scripture to you. It comes from Psalm nine, verse 10. It says this, it says, those who know your name, trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Just want you to focus on that line. Uh, trust in you. Those who know your name trust in you. I think we have to be careful as Christians because so often it can be so easy to profess trusting God with our lips, but actually not honor God and put our trust in Him with our actions. I think very often if we're not careful as Christians, when given the choice between God and money, we will choose money as being the greater security in our lives and this is exactly why we need tithing you know tithing is not a a a tax that we pay to God it's not something that we offer up begrudgingly or something that we feel like ah, okay now I gotta now I gotta pay the God tax or something like that that's not what tithing is at all Tithing is actually a radical declaration and act of trust and abandon that places God first in our lives and positions us for purpose in his kingdom. You know, when we get to tithe, it's exactly that. It's an opportunity to say, God, I trust you more than my money. God, I return to you a tenth of what you have given to me to honor you for all that you have blessed me with. I understand that I am blessed to be a blessing and I'm going to return to you uh, and use this as a statement and a declaration of trust. And so as we bring a tithe this week, let it be exactly that. Let it be a declaration of trust that in the midst of uncertainty, that in the midst of the world that we find ourselves in, that in the midst of economic instability, we are not as a people going to place our trust in money as being the ultimate security, but we are going to place our trust in God as being the one who ultimately holds all of it in his hands and has a plan and a purpose uh, for you in your life. And so let's make sure that that's our, our our heart posture today as we bring our tithe to God and really believe that he's going to use it uh, to make an impact in our church and in our world. You know, in this season as a church, we've been able to do some really incredible and amazing things to bless our community, to care for people like never before. And uh, hey, your tithe, Uh, has actually been a direct part of making that a reality. So we're excited that we get to tithe as a church. We're so thankful as lead pastors that we are a tithing church. It's an amazing thing to see that in this season, uh, we as a church uh, have just uh, really risen when it comes to our tithing and our giving and our generosity. So we wanna thank you for that. Hey, let me pray for our giving today and then we're going to give. Jesus, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have through our finances to declare our trust in you, to declare that you are good, that you are greater, that we rely on you, and Jesus, that we, we place you above all in our lives. Father, we just pray that you would take this giving and that you would multiply it and that you would use it to make your name known in our world. We love you, Jesus, in your mighty name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, there's all kinds of ways to give. They're coming up on the screen right now. You can click uh, the link in the chat right now. Again, we'd love for you to do that. We love you. We're thankful
3: for you, church.
0: Hey, good morning, Slate Church. Good to see you guys. My name is Jared Moore. I'm one of the site pastors here at Slate. And one of the things that we've been doing as a church is highlighting some of the stories in our community. There's so much power in sharing the testimony of what God has done in our life. And so we've got somebody here with us today. Why don't you take a second and introduce yourself?
3: Hey, Slade, how are you doing? My name is Marco and I've been going to Slade for about two years. Um, I'm also part of our worship team here at Slade. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what your relationship with God was like as you were growing up? I, uh, You can probably tell by my accent that I'm not Canadian. I. Uh, grew up in Novi Sad, serbia serbia is a beautiful country in europe and it is also an orthodox country so i grew up in a pentecostal church uh, with my family so that was just a huge kind of uh difference between me and people there because uh, they do not really understand my beliefs and i was just very afraid to share about it as well because i would feel rejected But one thing that I remember from young age, I was always drawn to worship so much and I've just loved listening to worship songs. I always had fear of God instilled within me, you know? I never wanted to go too deep with the things of this world, you know? I always kind of tried to be a good kid and go to church every Sunday, you know? I feel like the faith I had was not of my own, but rather it was, you know, my mom was almost like a mediator between me and Jesus, you know? Right when I graduated, I took a gap year and I, Wanted to reconsider some different options for immigration. So that's probably the time when my faith got really tested, you know. Uh, but I just felt so stuck, you know, I didn't know where to turn. It was so hard. So I just kind of started going out with my friends and started living a very unhealthy life, you know. A year after that, I had finally figured some things out. I got my student visa. I was uh, things that finally started going for better. I moved to Canada. I became an international student. Slowly after that, I found out about Slate on Instagram. I joined and I was, you know, at first, I still remember my first time going to Slate. I was so confused with everything that was happening, all these lights and people dancing and haze, you know. It was just so much different from anything I've seen before. But I loved the spirit. Of joy and that was just something that really stirred my heart and I just wanted to you know uh, stay there and just I kept coming back and so serving at Slate had really changed my life I can definitely say that Slate Church has been a really huge blessing in my life I've learned so much of God's love through the people around me I've formed some lifelong relationships I met some people who truly care about me you know and they really want the best for me, and they show that with their actions, which is very important. What would you uh, say to somebody that's trying
0: to figure out what their personal relationship with God looks like?
3: Yeah, I would say that, you know, Jesus is waiting for you with open arms. He loves you. He accepts you the way you are. You do not have to live up to certain standards. You do not have to impress Him, you know. He's always there for you. and. All you need to do is really just open up your heart and surrender everything to Him. There's nothing else you can do and He will always listen to you and He will always, you know, guide you and just be there for you. And then another huge thing, I think, is just reach out to the people in your church and join a connect group. That's a huge part of, you know, Christian, like just living life with people from church and just, you know, having people alongside you, guiding you throughout this process.
0: That's good, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story. I know that personally you've encouraged me in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to worship, the way that you lead and, uh, and just the heart that you have behind it. It's so cool to see you're an encouragement to a lot of us. And, uh, and I'm excited to see how this story impacts the lives in our church. Thanks, man.
4: Hey, we are so excited to be celebrating Mother's Day this weekend. Here at Slate Church, we love to take every opportunity that we can to honor and to celebrate one another. I know personally, I am so thankful for my mom and everything that she has taught me. I remember specifically growing up, she would always tell me that I needed to lift my eyes. I need to lift my eyes from my own circumstances to see others, to have compassion. And most importantly, I needed to lift my eyes to see Jesus. My mom has taught me how to laugh, how to find joy in the little things. She's taught me how to pray and that that needs to be our first response. She's taught me work ethic, what it looks like to actually keep showing up, even when it's hard. She's taught me how to uh, how to just care and love for people, to not take myself too seriously. My mom is incredible. So shout out to my mom. I know some of you have met her. Mama, I love you. You are amazing. But hey, today we do wanna take some time to celebrate all the mums in our world. We wanna celebrate the mums of, of little ones. For those of you that the days are full of diaper changes, full of snack time, full of feeding times, full of hard times, full of cuddle times, full of play time. We see you, you are doing better than you think. You are amazing. To the mum of, of school age kids that Right now, you are homeschooling. You are such a legend. Uh, never underestimate what, um, what you actually are doing. Uh, it, it matters more than you think. You are doing better than you think. You are incredible. To the mom of, of young adults that maybe are preparing yourself to send off your kid to university for the first time this fall. That's a big step, and we, uh, we celebrate that step of independence and, and releasing uh, your, your grown-up child into the world, but we also know that you are holding them close to your heart. Well done to the grandmothers in our world that are now seeing the generations. What a legacy. We love you. We celebrate you. We couldn't do what we do without you. So yay to all the grandmothers. To all the soon-to-be moms that right now you're preparing your heart for this little bundle of joy that is going to throw your world upside down. You are going to do an amazing job. You're going to be the best mom to your child. We also celebrate all the mother figures in our world. To all those that without the official title, you have come alongside and mothered people, you have cared for people. Uh, We thank you for that sacrifice. We thank you for that mothering heart that you have. And to all of those women that are dreaming of becoming a mom, we are praying for you. We are believing that one day you will hold that baby in your arm, that you're holding the dream in your heart right now. We, we are praying for you. Know that you are seen, God sees every tear, and, and there is hope. So hold on to that dream and we are believing with you and we are praying for you. So to all the moms, all the women in our world, we are celebrating you a little bit extra this weekend. Uh, we couldn't do again what we do without you, so. Take some time today and just celebrate the moms and the women in your world. Send a send that text. Get some flowers uh, and let's really celebrate the moms in our world this weekend. We love you moms. You are amazing. Happy,
5: happy Mother's, Mother's Day. Day. I love you, mama. Happy Mother's Day.
1: Happy Mother's Day. And Mother's Day. Mama.
4: And happy
6: Mother's Day because I love you. Can you say Can you guys say Happy Mother's Day? Ma, te amo.
0: Well, we have a lot going on as a church in this season, and we want to make sure that you are connected and you know what is happening. So, if you want an up-to-date uh, reminder of what is going on this week and looking ahead, you can go to slatechurch.com/events so that you know what's going on. You can also follow us on social media. We have different things happening on social media, really all throughout the week. Uh, As lead pastors, we jump on Instagram live together for an on the couch session on Wednesday nights. We have worship on Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, It's just a lot of fun. So why don't you join us? follow along, see what's happening, and stay connected that way. We also have something called Kingdom Carriers happening on May 23rd at 11 a.m. Now this is gonna be virtual, so you can get more information uh, at slaychurch.com slash Kingdom Carriers and click on the Zoom link to join that at 11 a.m. on May 23rd, you might be wondering, what is Kingdom Carriers? Uh, is this something for me? Listen, Kingdom Carriers is a group of people that say, Hey, I have the gift of giving above and beyond financially, and I want to invest in what is happening at Slate Church. This is something I want to commit to, and I want to be a part of. Uh, this is for you, if that's what you're saying. Um, so we would love to invite you. If you have more questions, go to slatechurch.com. We would love to just answer some of those questions for you. You can also reach out to any host in the chat to get more information about that. It's going to be a great event and we would love to see you there. Well, listen, without further ado, we have a fantastic message coming to you today. Uh, He's one of my favorite speakers. I love watching him prep. I love watching him prepare for what God has put on his heart. And I know that you are going to be blessed today. So pull out your notebooks, pull out your phone, lean in, get ready to receive and Uh, let's give it up for Pastor Brandon Richardson.
6: Hey, church. It's so good to see you. My name is Brandon Richardson. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Slate Church alongside my beautiful wife, Emma, and Luke and Victoria Betger. And we're so glad to be able to join with you all during this uh, COVID season we find ourselves in. Online, and you know it's inspiring us for some uh, things moving into the future. Uh, probably uh, some new things coming at you at some point in this next year, and we're really excited about that. But for everybody that's joining us, whether you're uh, tuning in live on our online platform at slatechurch.com, where you you can watch at different times so, uh, uh, on a Sunday, or you're watching on demand on YouTube, we just want to welcome you uh, to our church. We want to welcome you to uh, our service and what God has been doing. And uh, the service has already been so incredible up until this point. And we're so thankful for the, um, the army of volunteers that have been making this happen. Hey, we are all on mission when it comes to spreading the good news of Jesus. And uh, we're showing it. We're, we're rising to the occasion. And so we're just so thankful for all of you. If this is your first time, I uh, just want to say, hey, uh, this message isn't meant to scare you. In fact, I think there's a lot in here that's going to encourage you. I always title my messages, uh, as do the rest of the, the pastors, because I think that it gives us a thought to think on. And if you're taking notes today, I hope that you are. Um, grab a notebook, grab a phone, wherever it is. I know that I I remember things better when I'm writing notes. If you're taking notes today, the the my message title is "Meaning in This Moment." Meaning in this moment. I want to talk just for a few moments here on what it looks like to find meaning. In this moment, you know, I think that for some of us, we feel like life is on pause. Uh, life as we knew it was on pause. Um, the things that we had going on in our life is is on pause. Sports is on pause. Um, except for some soccer. I think some soccer is coming back and they're going to play in front of stadiums that are empty, which is ama- amazing. But still, I mean, the fullness of it is on pause. I hope today that we realize that as much as some of the world and some of the things that we're used to are on pause, our faith is not meant to be on pause. There's always these pause moments in the midst of our lives, but what we do with them is vitally important. I want to turn really quickly to Matthew chapter 25 verse 14, where we read an interesting story. Jesus is telling a story to his closest followers, his disciples, and he says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. When he says again, he's, he's, he's giving another metaphor for what it looks like when he's going to leave this earth and then come back again. It says, to one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to to their ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had five talents went at once and put his money to work, gaining five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now listen, I I love this passage and of course it does talk about money a little bit. And I love that it speaks about investing and that sort of thing. Because sometimes I think the only thing that gets talked about in church is uh, saving, tithing, and spending. And meanwhile there's this whole investing component that's actually really important to the resources God has given us. And while that's really practical and great, I want to talk about what this means for our moment. What does it look like to find meaning in our moment. These servants are entrusted with something. Their master goes away and he says, hey, I'm coming back. And when the master comes back, he expects to find a return on what he has given them. In fact, the servant with five Gives five more and his master says, well done, good and faithful servant when he comes back. The second one also, and his master repeats these words, good, well done, good and faithful servant. The one with one talent came to, uh, came to the master and said, hey, uh, I knew you were uh, a harsh man. I knew that you, would, you, you sowed or you reaped where you did not sow. And so I hid your money and here's your one talent. The master gets furious at this. He says, hey, if you knew that I reaped where I did not sow, then why in the world would you not at least put the, this money I gave you on loan with the bankers so that it could have... Been- accumulated some interest while I was away you see this story as much as it just seems like a uh, you know maybe a practical story for maybe some of us we're jumping right into the middle of scripture without having read anything prior to this we have to understand that there's a lot of meaning in the pause that the servants find themselves in the master gives them something they're entrusted with something there's a pause And the master comes back. I I dislike pauses with everything that, that that is in me. If you know me, or in fact, if you've played hockey with me rather, you will know that I absolutely hate sitting around in my hockey equipment. I'm the kind of guy that will show up now a half hour early. It used to be five minutes before a game. I'll show up a half hour early, but I will sit until the Zamboni is done. Uh, half the ice rink before I start getting dressed, and it's because I hate sitting in my equipment, ready to get get go on the ice. Uh, you know, uh, uh, exert some energy, be competitive, and all that. I hate having it all on and being ready and not being able to go at the gate. I think right now it's it's a bit of a metaphor, my own metaphor on Jesus' metaphor for the pause that we find ourselves in and how we find meaning in this moment. Before we even go on to what it means for those of us that are called on the name of Jesus, I think it's important to talk about the treasure that the master entrusted to his servants. You got to understand that this isn't just a metaphor uh, that relates to the ancient Near East and the times in which those people lived. In fact, It is a metaphor for Jesus himself. Jesus is preparing his disciples for the fact that he is going to die on a cross for their sins and he's going to come back again at some time in the future. That's a period we find ourselves in right now. And in the midst of that, he has entrusted his servants, his followers, his disciples, his church with his greatest treasure before he comes back and returns. Now, listen, this is really important because we need to understand what the treasure is. Do you know what the treasure is? The treasure is you. Whether you are watching for the first time, whether you are listening to the Christian message for the first time, you have to know that Jesus has entrusted his treasure. You are his treasure that he's entrusted to his church. You are the treasure in which he seeks. You are the treasure in which he died for. In Matthew chapter 13, 44, it talks about this, this man and, and another story that Jesus is telling. And he says, a man went and he saw and found treasure in a field. He found this treasure and he went and he sold everything he had to buy that field. And this, you know, often is a, a way that we encourage ourselves. We got to, we got to sell it all. We got to be all in as a church. We got to be, we got to make sure that we're given it all, that we realize that everything that we've been working for is rubbish when it comes to the treasure that is in Jesus. So let's sell it all and only seek that which is Jesus. And that is a great, a great way to read this passage. But another way we need to see it is Jesus is the man that found a treasure and sold it all to get that field in which the treasure was. Listen, Jesus died on a cross to win you, to win this world, to win back, which was rightfully his. It's always been his, but he paid the price for sin so we could come into relationship with him. I want to encourage you today that maybe you're coming to Christianity. Maybe you're coming to this message of the gospel. Maybe you're looking at the story of Jesus. And up until this point, it's just been a set of rules. Or up until this point, it's just been this thing that's been confusing. And maybe you've associated it with hypocrisy more than anything else. You need to know today that Jesus died on a cross not to just get something from you. No, not at all. This is not some sort of weird uh, bait and switch that took place. Jesus died on a cross, to pay the price and the penalty for sin so you could find yourself in relationship with him for all of eternity. This is the gospel message. You are his treasure. You are why Jesus is a part of our human story and the human narrative and is debated whether or not he exists at all. That Jesus, all of that, everything you know about Jesus was to come and pay a price for you, his treasure. And I'm not just talking to the person that doesn't know anything about the story of Jesus. You need to know you need to know today church that he died for you too. You're also his treasure. You're also what he's coming back for. He's not just coming back in order to you know, throw a big party and and you know, well that was a, that was a good re- he's coming back to to, to um, find himself back in the fullness of relationship that he originally created us to be in with him. And this is an exciting thing because for a lot of us, we're wondering what's going on in the world and is there any value in the world and what is the meaning of this moment? You got to know right now that the meaning of all of this at all and it's always ever been about is actually to find ourselves in relationship with Jesus to lean into what he did for us and to re- realize that really all we are is children of the most high God children of our creator children of a good father who's going to protect us and bring us into an eternal an eternal relationship with him and it starts now and so if today you're wondering what this is all about you need to know that as a church, we are here for you. In fact, we exist to see people that don't know Jesus, that are far from him, to come into relationship with him. And you got to know today that the meaning in this moment is that you can find yourself in relationship with Jesus. You are his treasure. You know, there's a lot of things that I seem to have sold everything in order to get, you know, I, uh, I've uh, uh, at one point really wanted a, a road bike and uh, I wanted to do cycling. And uh, I still do, but before I got into cycling, I knew in order to do this, I needed to get something really good that was gonna keep me engaged in this sport. And so, uh, you know, I remember thinking, I don't know if any of you have done this. In fact, put in the comments right now, if you're watching live, things that you've done this for, whether it's a phone or or a house or that sort of thing. But I remember scrounging the house like, what can I sell? What can I put on Kijiji? What can I, you know, uh, uh, convince somebody to buy from me so that I can get this bike? And I was willing to give it all up. And the, the, the interesting thing is, is that there's often things in our lives that will have this innate reaction that we go, I got to have that. I've, I've got to get it. And I'm willing to sell whatever it takes in order to get that. And what we need to know is that Jesus isn't just requiring that of us when we give everything away to follow him, which is something we need to do. But what we need to do, need to realize that in that pursuit of Jesus, that we're merely responding to the pursuit that he had for us, because he's the one that initiated the contact. He's the one that initiated the relationship. He's the one that initiated the sacrifice and he died for you and I. So we don't have to worry in seasons like this that we find ourselves in the world, that we don't have to wonder, what is my meaning in this moment? That we can just rest assured that Jesus is in control, his plan hasn't diverted, and that we're still in the center of his will, and we can find ourselves in relationship with him. All we have to do is receive what he did for us on the cross by saying, Jesus, I believe you paid for that uh, that 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 penalty of sin for me and we're going to have an opportunity to respond to that at the end you know Jesus in John chapter 3 verse 35. Or, um, or, or, or rather, the the John, the writer of the gospel, says the Father loves the Son, and He has placed everything in His hands. And so, in this passage we read at the beginning in Matthew chapter twenty-five, we have to understand that the, everything that Jesus has in His hands is us. It is the church. It is the world. And so, when the master passes it off to the servants, when Jesus passes off the world and those that he wants to follow him and everything else, when he passes this over to his disciples in the church, uh, we've got to take note that, that the master in this story is coming back. We've got to take note that in this moment we find ourselves in as a society, we are still in the same moment in Jesus' story. Okay, so we might be in a different season when it comes to what we're used to in this world, but we are still in the same chapter of the story when it comes to Jesus. I've been reading a book called Deep Church by a guy named Jim Belcher. And I'm gonna teach just for a moment here. And uh, I hate that we've always got a preface, like, are you okay with teaching? It's like, hey, we gotta be okay with teaching because we've gotta learn more about what it looks like to reach our world with the good news of Jesus. But in this book, Deep Church by Jim Belcher, he's he's addressing an argument that are popped up in the church about 10, 10 years ago between the traditional church and, you know, if those of you th- don't really know what that means, it's kind of like, you know, rules and the way things always were done and stained glass and all that kind of stuff, right? So just for to, to caricaturize it for a second, uh, he was discussing the, the the argument between the traditional church and the Emergent Church. The Emergent Church was coming out in a postmodern society where um, postmodern society rejects meta narratives, It rejects um, objective morality. It objects these kind of things. And the Emergent Church was saying, hey, this might actually be a way to further the church. Maybe we don't need to rage against it. Well, he writes this book called Deep Church to address a third way of how we can move forward as a church. And while that debate within the realms of the church has completely petered off. The reality of the situation is the, the, the draw towards legalism and the draw towards subjective moralism, which just means that uh, my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth and just speak your truth. Uh, the debate between these things uh, rages on all the more as we continue in society. And so he addresses this from the perspective and he says, listen, a lot of churches up until this point, traditionally speaking, have had a boundary set morality. What this means is they put a fence up around their church and they say, hey, uh, not only is this to, to to keep people out, but this is to, to allow you to understand what keeps you in, what keeps you in our church. You know, you got to follow these rules. And it's a boundary set, um, a boundary set morality. Well, he addresses the postmodern thinking in this book as well. And he says, well, if it's boundary set over here, what we see in postmodernism is that it's a relational set. The community and any given community is what sets morality for the community. And so this side of Thinking says, uh, "Well, it's whatever the community decides. So, if we live in Canada, certain things are going to be allowed in Canada because we believe that our truth is right, and your truth can be your truth, but this is our truth, and and our truth is that um, these things are okay because they they um, they they don't discomfort us." He says, "This kind of morality is based a lot on the idea of comfort and a less a lot less idea uh, on the idea of objective morality." Now he says, listen, uh, we don't need to just have a boundary set where we create a boundary around our churches to point out who's in and who's out and create a whole bunch of uh, uh, hurdles for people to have to get over in order to come into a relationship with Jesus and all these things. Because sometimes historically in the church, we've made it so difficult for people to even hear the message of Jesus because of all the things we think that they need to do before they come into the church to hear the message at all based on what they wear, what they look like, what they have going on in their life. But that's not what Jesus says at all. We see over and over again in the gospels that Jesus is called a friend of sinners. I wonder if that's something that could be said of us today. But he also says, pointing over here, that this is ludicrous to say that basically what makes us most comfortable is the the deepest truth that we can find ourselves in. He says what we need to get is a centered set uh, reality when it comes to morality. Now, this is going to tie in in just a moment into what this means for our meaning in this moment. But what he says is that a centered set is a little bit like a metaphor he stole off of a pastor in Australia. In Australia, um, they have ranches and in the ranches uh, they have so much property and so many animals that it would be impossible like this group over here to create a boundary for what it would um, for to keep the animals in in fact to create a fence that large on a ranch would be nearly impossible instead on a ranch they don't have boundaries and they don't just not care about the animals what they have is a well and this well is what keeps the animals coming back within the area that the ranch is located. What? Jim Belcher argues for is a centered set morality that says the the morality the the reality of Jesus the the reality he brought the the teaching that he he um, lived out the the embodiment of of G, of God that he was in flesh the price he paid on the cross this is the well that we will set up and not veer on from a church in order to create a third way where people can come and go but what centers centers us around what he is up to is is Jesus, his teaching, his way of living and realizing that, listen, you don't need to believe what we believe to belong here. But at some point you have to realize that why we gather uh, at at all is based on the things that Jesus did. And this is super important because it says it actually um, speaks to the way that we we, um, do ministry uh, as churches. This third way, this centered set way of looking actually impacts the way that we will see the world. You see this camp over here, historically, um, carried a lot about getting fire, uh, fire, fire insurance. Fire insurance means, uh, basically, uh, we need to get our ticket into heaven so that we don't go to hell and burn up. Okay. This group over here says, hold up. Uh, truth isn't based on these boundaries you guys have set up. It's based on this relational, uh, this relational set idea. It's not boundary set. It's relational set. And in the relational set, they're all about mission and making the world better. And let's make sure that we, um, contribute to social justice causes and all this. Jim Belcher rightly points out there is a third way. It's not boundary set. It's not relational set. It is Christ set. It is centered set. It is focused on the things that matter most. And it brings people into relationship with him by being unswerving on the majors of our faith and not willing to bow down to the narrative of the world or the self-made religion on the other side. And he says this impacts our religion because no longer do we need to stand and and pick whether or not we are going to be saved or we are going to try and save the world. But we can sit in the middle and say, it is important for us to be saved by the grace of Jesus and by the blood of his his sacrifice. It is equally as important that we go out and actually reach the world that we live in and live with a missional mindset. Jesus in Matthew 25 is speaking not just of a master, he is speaking of himself. He is saying, listen, this is me. I am talking about myself. I am coming back and I want you to do something in the in-between. In the pause, I want you to be acting. In the pause, I want you to be reaching out. In the pause, I want you to take what I've given you and actually invest it and see it grow in in, in my name. In the In this moment, there's meaning because there's always meaning for the church of Jesus Christ. In each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see it really. This pattern I'm about to address really um, work itself out in Matthew, Mark, and John uh, and Luke. These are called the synoptic gospels. They share a lot of su- uh, synonymous things. They're very similar in their makeup and their structure and the way that each of these three men, these three followers of Jesus, uh, recount Jesus' story. We see that it's broken up into three chapters. The first chapter is Jesus, friend of sinners. And this is where he is willing to reach out to the entire world and say, hey, I, I like, like this is what it looks like to be the church, to actually have friendship with the world, but not leaning into what the world has. Friendship, not with the worldly ways, but friendship with people in the world. Chapter two, we see Jesus actually on his way back to Jerusalem, where he's going to pay the price for sin. And he teaches predominantly his disciples. In fact, he really only pre- teaches his disciples in chapter two of his story. Chapter three is his cross is the cross, the death of Jesus, his resurrection from the tomb and his establishment of the church. Very interestingly, when we move from chapter one, which is, hey, everything is open to everybody into chapter two, where Jesus starts to really narrow in on his disciples. We see that this centered set way of being the church is like people drawing closer to the well. It's his disciples drawing closer to the well to start to understand what Jesus is really about. And when Jesus is really starting to describe what he's really about, he speaks this story and says, "Hey, you want to know what I'm about? I'm about handing, uh, I'm about handing the church over to you, this world over to you, so that you can be my hands and feet as I build my church." It says that Jesus, Jesus himself, says, "I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail." But the way that Jesus is going to build his church is through his hands and feet, which he addresses is his disciples, is you, his closest followers. Now, listen, this is important because what, he, what we're saying is that this chapter that we read in, in uh, Matthew chapter 25 is when Jesus is speaking predominantly to his closest followers, predominantly to those who follow him and is saying, listen, I need you to realize that we've you've got to do something with what I put in your hands. The meaning in this moment has not changed. The meaning in this moment has not veered from uh, it, what, what it was before COVID now to that we're almost through, co- or not through, but we're in the midst of COVID. The meaning of life has actually stayed the same to find ourselves in relationship with Jesus and then bring others into that same relationship with him. The thing is, is that it's not just about getting people fire insurance. It's also about being, uh, being on mission and being missional in the world that we live in. What does that mean? It means actually seeking justice in the world that we live in. Seeking peace and prosperity, seeking objective morality to see our world based on, and not just subjective morality. It means all of these things. It means somebody like Ahmed Arbery actually getting justice in the situation that he finds himself in. You know, th- it means actually living in this world peacefully and and, and 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 on mission, trying to see this world become what God actually created it to be. But it also means making sure that people understand what it means to be in relation relationship with Jesus. And I've been wrestling with this entire idea for quite some time. And it took some time about two weeks ago to just highlight some of my thoughts. And I hope that I could just read those to you today. And uh, I'm just going to read them out as I uh, wrote them down. I wasn't expecting on April 28th to share this with you today, but I want to read what's been on my heart as one of your lead pastors and something that's on our heart as all, all of us as lead pastors. I was sitting at the Coburg Harbor with my iPad out, writing, and I said, lately, I've been thinking about calling, mine in particular. I found with COVID, I've been losing steam when it comes to working out my calling. Emma thinks I need to get a bigger why. I agree. I'm starting to realize that my initial call to go and make disciples has slowly become a go keep the systems running that support the disciple making machine. The latter is bad only in that it emphasizes the machine over the disciples, the system that we've created over the disciples. The machine should not be seen through the lens of disciple and disciple making. Uh, uh, sorry, the machine should be seen through the lens of disciple and discipleship making, not the disciple through the system we've created. Why did I become a pastor? I wrote down a bunch of reasons. Jesus saved me and, I, and turned my life around. I was in chains, mental chains, and God set me free. I want that same freedom for others. Um, the only time I've ever felt home is when I'm in a place of surrender with God. To see people give church a try. I, I could not see myself doing anything else with the life that I've been given. I genuinely believe that this is what God has called me to. I saw nothing more valuable in life than being a part of, of an eternal work. I went on to reflect. I said, well, has any of this changed? Do I honestly believe that meeting together physically was the reason for any of this or that if I felt the call in the middle of COVID rather than before COVID that I'd be dreaming of only ways to gather physically? Are the reasons I believe I believe I felt drawn into ministry tied to a method of ministry? Am I more in love with the product of my ministry or the call of my ministry? I planted a church with Luke and Victoria and Emma because I thought something was missing in the world. Do I honestly believe that there's nothing missing during this pandemic? When we planted Slate, I thought, here's a chance to be creative with our presentation of the gospel. Do I honestly believe that a few lights, some haze, and some good sound would be the end of my creativity in reaching people? Do I really believe that God is going to use the best of my mind to simply recreate what everybody else is doing? Do I actually want to see people to come to know Jesus? Do I actually personally want to be a part of this process? Do I actually want to meet people where they are at? Or do I just want to keep drawing people into what I'm doing for God? Is this about the good news of the gospel? Or is this about a style of ministry? And I, am I upset that my friends are going to be reached less because of COVID? Or am I upset that the thing that I've been built isn't working anymore? At some point along the journey, did I put the machine before the disciple? Jesus is still alive. And I'm speaking to you now. Jesus is still alive. Jesus is not not surprised. Jesus is not worried whether or not he can reach people in this season. Jesus is not looking to take a break. Jesus does not need a building. Jesus does not need our guitars. Jesus needs us. Jesus needs me. Listen, church. Our calling as a church has not changed. Everything that I've spoken today as you've been listening has led to this one point. That the the treasure is still the same. The the expectations he has on us in this season is still the same. The, The very last words that he leaves with us before he leaves this earth is go and make disciples. My question to you today is are we so focused on ourselves and our own well-being in this season that we are missing out on the fact that Jesus could return in the middle of COVID? And are we doing all we can, investing what he's placed in our hands and reaching out to the people around us? Listen, it is time to get creative. You know, I go to the gym, not because I want to um, look after myself and, and, and look better and feel better and all that stuff. And that's all good stuff. But I also go to the gym, and I don't miss the gym uh for a day uh, or, you know, at least a couple of days. I always go back because I want to reach the people that are there. You know, before COVID hit, that was one of my primary areas of reaching people and seeing, uh, you know, developing a relationship with them because I want to introduce them to this, this love that I know, which is Jesus Christ. When COVID happened, I thought, oh, how am I? You know, I can't go to the gym anymore. Thankfully, I got some of their phone numbers. Thankfully, I've built relationship with people and have been able to stay in contact with them while I'm not in physical relationship with them. It's time to reach out to some of those people that we've been building relationship with. It's time to start praying for the world that we live in. It's time to start dropping notes in mailboxes of people around us asking if they need anything. Groceries, prayer, somebody to talk to over the phone. It's time to start being on mission when it comes to seeing the the restoration of the world in the way that Jesus wants it to be seen. You know, Jesus isn't blowing up this world when he comes back and going to create a new world for us to inhabit with him. He's coming back to restore the world that we live in right now. Read your Bible. He's actually coming to bring a whole lot more than what we actually realize. But we've got to start realizing that there is so much purpose and meaning in this season. The meaning of this moment has not changed the meaning of this moment has only deepened. The meaning of this moment starts right now with our waking up to the realization that we don't need the same systems and structures to reach people right now. And in fact, maybe this is God's way in some way, and, and he's teaching us through this season to reach it with any method that we have personally to bring people into relationship with Him. Listen, I love that we are baking cookies. I love that we are reading more. I love that we are uh, doing home workouts and posting that on Instagram. I love all of this stuff. In the midst of all that, let's remember that those things are things we're doing. But I know that the only way to have a passion for this life that we have and to live with passion day after day is to find meaning in the moment that we find ourselves in. The meaning today, church, has not changed. The meaning is still to go out and make disciples of the world that we live in. God is coming back and he's going to ask you, "What what did you do with the moment I gave you? What did you do with the treasure I placed into your hands? And it's not good enough. For us as a church to say, well, my church did something. The machine and structures and systems that we created really made some disciples. No, Jesus was speaking, "Go and make disciples." to his To his church, the church that existed at that time, where he said, "Go make disciples." He was speaking to everybody. He wasn't just speaking to Peter, one of his closest followers. Not just to John, not just to uh, not just to um, uh, James. He was speaking to them all. He was speaking to his entire church. He was saying, "Hey." All of you, the meaning in this moment, the pause you're about to experience from me going going and ascending into heaven, taking a right seat at the Father, that, that moment that you're going to find yourself in until I come back, it's all about reaching out with the love of Jesus, letting people know what we're centered on, and, and bringing people into relationship with Him. Hey, today I want to give you an opportunity. Listen, <clears throat> the reason we're doing any of this at all, the reason that we are still finding ways to do church when we can't be together, is because we know, and I know, that Jesus is the only way. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus right now, I want to give you that opportunity. Wherever you are, could you just bow your head and close your eyes? Just get, get yourself centered. What you've heard here today, you know, it took somebody inviting me to a youth group when I was 15 years old. I still remember. Uh, that setting that I walked into, the cold uh, the cold uh, tiled floors and that dingy basement. I remember the invite to come to Crave Youth Group by Samariteson. I remember coming in and having my heart completely Um, completely just wrecked by the Holy Spirit, by what God was doing in me and realizing at 15 years old that life could be a lot better than what I had been living it. It could be better than just trying to please everybody around me. It could be better than just trying to please even my parents. It could be better than just trying to please um, my teachers and that it could be better. And today, I want to let you know that life, even in this moment, can be better you want to know what your meaning is is to find yourself back into the, the relationship that god created us for today i want to lead you in a prayer if that's you what i'm going to ask is that if you're uh, tuning in live that you would just click uh raise my hand in this moment just so you can have an outward expression of an inward reality right now if that's you and you want to make a decision to follow jesus just say a yes in your heart say yes lord I wanna follow you and right now I wanna pray for you. Jesus, I pray for everybody that's made this decision to follow you today. That God, they would realize that you died on the cross for them to bring them into relationship with you. It's the only religion in the world that says you don't have to do something in, to be accepted by Jesus, uh, by, by a God, but that Jesus did everything for you to be accepted by him and ultimately transformed by his presence. God, today, I pray for everybody making this decision that they would understand this is the best decision they could ever make. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I wanna pray for the rest of us. And if you made a decision to follow Jesus, in just a moment, there's gonna be a few more directions for you to come and so just sit tight. But for, the, for everybody else, I wanna ask you, are you living on mission in this moment? Have you found your meaning in this moment? <coughs> maybe today you're realizing as I spoke that you've actually been uh, maybe dragging your heels on your own calling in this life. This isn't about what we as a church can do for your friends and family in this season. It's about asking God, what can I do for you in reaching people and actually preaching the name of Jesus and not just being light on it, but actually preaching it with clarity and with purpose in this season. If that's you, and you're saying, hey, I, uh, I needed this, I needed this reminder. If that's you, I wanna pray for you, so why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes. Jesus, give us the strength we need to live out in this moment the mission you've called us to. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church.
0: What a fantastic message. Listen, if you just made that decision a moment ago to follow Jesus, we would love to connect with you. As much as that was a decision you made yourself privately, it's really something that needs to be lived out publicly and you don't need to go at that alone. So make sure that you uh, c- fill out one of our connect cards online so that we can get in touch with you. A host member will be in touch with you and we would love to just chat with you, answer any questions that you might have. You might be going, okay, what is my next step here? Maybe you just made that decision and you're wondering that, or maybe you've been tuning in for a while or a part of our church for a while, you're in, what is my next step at Slate Church? We would love to invite you to join a virtual Next Steps session immediately following this service. Basically, this is just a chance to gather with some leadership and uh, get some questions answered and have a greater understanding of who we are as a church and how you can be involved. So there's going to be a link going up in the chat. Why don't you click on that and follow it to Next Steps? It's going to be really short right after this service. We'd also love to encourage you, if you are not in a connect group yet, what are you waiting for? These connect groups are online. They're happening. You can just log in from your home. So make sure that you are getting involved in a connect group. Go to slatechurch.com, get some information. It might be awkward the first time you log on, but listen, you'll get past the awkwardness and then you will be so thankful that you did. These groups are so amazing. So make sure that you are joining a connect group. Well, church, so glad that you decided to lean in and tune in and come to church with us today. It has just been a phenomenal time and we're so glad we get to gather together on this Mother's Day. Have a fantastic day. Be blessed. We love you.